I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to my podcast, Second Chance. This episode focuses on Shannon Ainsley, who at the age of 15 years old was attacked by not one, but two deadly sharks. A lucky escape allowed him to surf back to shore to get immediate help. Although most would be put off by such an experience, Shannon continues to surf and coach others. This is a story of resilience, bravery and passion. Tell me a bit about who you are and, and what you're doing today in your life. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm Shannon Ainsley, born in South Africa and moved to Norway like say 11 years ago and been working here on and off as a surf coach trying to develop surfing. So I'm working with a surf school and then we are co-owners in a surf camp and I also work as the national surf coach for the Norwegian team. So I do a few different things. Why surfing? How did you get into surfing? My dad um, bought myself and my brother this big old surfboard to share when we were younger. We actually never enjoyed surfing, but he was a single parent who dropped us off at the beach during the Easter holidays and left us with some food and water and a surfboard and said, sorry, guys, you have to stay here all day. I'll pick you up at dark. And we got kind of upset about it, but we got so hooked into surfing during those vacation holidays or the vacation period and had the best time ever and just uh, yeah, carried on surfing. It's amazing. So it was by default rather than design. You're, you know, it's a babysitter, you know, getting on a board, getting on the water. Is it not terrifying? I'm, I've never surfed myself. I admire people who do because I think the skill that's required to surf is, is something else. How do you acquire the skill? Is it just repeat, repeat, repeat until you can actually stand up on the board and then everything else kind of falls into place? A lot of that, yes. Um, it's not like any other sport, you know. We did so many different sports growing up and surfing was by far the most difficult and the most frustrating, but with that, the most rewarding. Um, and all you need is a lot of time in the water because 
the ocean is constantly changing. Every wave is different. Every day is different. The tides affect the way the waves break as well. So you have to learn to adapt to that and learn how to read the ocean, read the waves, and have the correct timing and position for that. So, yeah, I think that the, the thing we need the most as surfers is a lot of time in the water, and um, it's extremely addictive as you get into it. You went through quite a, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, but I was watching a YouTube video of an incident where you were attacked by two great white sharks. Talk me through what what happened. I'm sure you've shared this story many times, but I'm seeing that video for the very first time. And the actual incident itself was, was caught on camera Obviously not what happened under the water, but what was happening on the surface was cool. And it was quite horrifying to see. But take me back to that that day, Shannon. What can you share with me? Yeah, that day was definitely by far a life-changing experience. I was only 15 years old when it happened. And um, it was funny because it was the first day back at school. And we were supposed to have like surf team training at a different beach. And then it got canceled. So we went to this place I was attacked at called Mahoon Reef. And um, that place is notorious for sharks and shark attacks. So we always like surf knowing that we could see a shark. And uh, anyway, so an hour and a half into the surf, there were say 12 to 15 people surfing. And while I was paddling for this one wave, all of a sudden it's two sharks came at me and you know it was amazing because it happened so quickly and um, I completely was unaware of what was happening so everything seemed to slow down and I remember the shark on the left bumping me into the air and it, on video you can see it super hard and fast but I felt like slow motion it just felt like someone or something picked me up into the sky and then I flipped around and over landed on the water and obviously, in that process, the shark grabbed the surfboard in my hand and dragged me under the water with it. Fortunately, the shark in my right missed me because the other shark got the first. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I remember the shark letting go of me underwater and it just stopped and stared at me face to face, literally like, like 30 centimeters in front of my face with its mouth wide open. And I could see its one big black dark eye staring into my face. I could see all of its teeth. And uh, we just had this moment where we stared at each other for a couple of seconds. And, and then it swam past me and away. And I swam to the surface of the water. And um, I was still very confused. I had no idea what was going on. So I remember seeing my surfboard lying in front of me and all the other surfers in the water panicking and paddling frantically towards the beach. So I was super confused. And um, when I grabbed my surfboard and pulled my right hand over to start paddling, I saw my fingers hanging off and all this blood squirting out and this big hole in my hand and a rip in my wetsuit on my wrist where the shark had been to my, my wrist bone as well. And then I realized that I was attacked by a shark and that my dream was actually reality. And that was the scariest moment ever. It was uh, quite horrifying. You say you, you realize your dream was your horror. You mean your nightmare had come true or every surfer's nightmare had come true. What an amazing story. But I need to go all the way back to the beginning and unpick your story so I can get my head around what actually happened. Because we often see 
or read things like this, but you've lived that experience. So you're 15 years old, you're out on the water doing something that you love. You already knew that it was a notorious area for for sharks. Why in your wildest dreams would you or anybody want to surf in a location that is notorious for, for shark visits? That's the first question. Yeah, it's a super good question. And all of our surfers still ask the same questions because, you know, sometimes putting our, our lives in danger when we surf places like that. And it's not just that specific place. There's so many like that around the world. But, um, you know, there's a, a saying that Billabong has, it's a surfing brand that says only a surfer knows the feeling. So I think if you were a surfer, you'd understand a little bit about um, or of why we surf those kind of places. And this specific place has a really good world-class surf wave, you know. So you can ride away for 500 meters, maybe even seven to 800 meters on the best days, which is the ultimate surfer's dream, to have a nice, long, perfect wave, to surf the wave and do certain maneuvers and just, you know, the whole adrenaline rush you have doing that is amazing. And, um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of surfers are willing to risk their lives for that kind of stuff, which sounds crazy. But statistically, if you look at shark attacks in South Africa alone, we have maybe one to three shark attacks a year. So it's not that bad if you compare it to other things. There are a lot more things more dangerous than, than that. But I think it's the fear, the fear of this, massive fish or predator like sneaking up on you with big teeth and just attacking you i think it's more of a fear than anything else and, and that was created by the, the the film jaws obviously everybody is familiar with it i think they've tried to reincarnate that particular film but nothing works quite like the the original dun 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 but look i mean you say it, it's a rare occurrence and incident and people need to be aware of that that not every time you get in the sea a, a shark or a killer whale or some kind is going to come and attack you it is a rare occasion but it did happen to you shannon you know that rare incident happened to you you're 15 years old you're picking up your surfboard you put on your gear and you're walking to that water did you or does it cross your mind as you're entering the water that you have to be conscious of what, what's around you. I mean, what's around you, water, but the danger over and above the threat of the wave taking you off your board and causing you some kind of physical damage because I suspect that, you know, the power of these waves, and I'm only going on when I go to the beach with my kids and the water splashes us and we jump over the waves like what most people do on their holidays. Sometimes those waves can give you a good pounding a good beating sometimes you get washed ashore and you've hurt bits and pieces of your body that's the extent of my experience with waves what you're dealing with are waves that are like buildings high etc etc so as a 15 year old as you're entering that water do you think about the predators that might be in the water or does that not cross your mind because you're on your your frill or does the frill of that threat also add to the excitement yeah we definitely think about the threats of sharks every single day and some seasons of the year a bit worse or a bit more because in south africa we have the sardine run where the sardines swim up the coast from cape town to durban during the months of june july and august and obviously bigger fish follow them which means the sharks follow them as well so sometimes certain 
parts of the season, you'll see these crazy feeding frenzies in the ocean, and you know there are a lot of sharks there. Um, so yeah, so this was during July in the peak of that sardine run. So sometimes you can smell fish in the like a, you have a fishy smell in the water, and you see all these birds diving into the water as well, and you know that there's some extra activity when you surf, and this happens all the time in the winter. So when we paddle out there, we think about it all the time. And you know, like I, I never used to surf if there were less than four people in the water, so that my chances of being attacked were a bit lower. Obviously, it didn't really work. <laughs> and a, lo- a lot of surfers think like that as well. And I remember that day, you know, I think just before my attack, my brother's best friend thought he saw a shark and he just paddled out and he went back to the beach. He had just had something to smoke. So he thought maybe he was seeing something else, but he, he was right though. He did see something. And just after that, two or three other people also got up because they sensed or felt something uncomfortable in the water and obviously there was a fishy smell and birds diving even though the waves were good the weather was super nice the water was clear there was nothing wrong with the day but there was just like something in the atmosphere while we were surfing which caused the guys to get out the water my brother also just left and then then there were just a few of us crazy guys in the water Does that warning or that that feeling of something not being right not filter down to all surfers so that you all kind of pick up on that vibe and decide? I mean, you, you, you've kind of answered this question by saying, you know, us crazy guys stayed in the water. But surely if, you know, experienced surfers or even junior surfers are getting this feeling that something's not right, is it not a message that goes across the wave to all the surfers to say, look, there's a danger in the air. We all need to come out of the water to protect each other and, and, and you know, send that signal. Is that not how it works or should it work like that? Yeah, maybe it should, but not really. Occasionally, like if you're with your friends, you'll say something and your friend might agree and then you get out of the water. But, you know, there are quite a few people who are willing to risk their lives for amazing waves. And most of the time they still survive. So, you know, I've never, I've never had that. Now I'm actually worse because even though I've had not just my own shark attack, I've had several encounters with sharks and orcas and other things. And um, even though I've had those things, I still jump in the water and take my chances. And sometimes I still surf by myself, you know. You said that the, you know, as you were on the board and riding the wave, I hope I'm using the right terminology, but that's what it feels like I should be saying. You said you felt the shark bump your board. Do you think that was a a deliberate maneuver by the shark now with experience, or do you think it was an accidental bump? And then once it realized that it had, I don't know what you would be described as a piece of meat for the shark or a bit of food or just in the way of it going about its business in its domain, because the sea is the shark's domain and you're, intruding do you think that bump was a deliberate bump to get you off your board so that it could attack you or do you think it was an accidental encounter Uh, it was definitely deliberate we've done some work and research with sharks and we worked in like some shark repellents close to cape town with some shark scientists and marine biologists and it was amazing and when a shark wants to taste or bite to see or taste what you are It'll just gradually like swim past and take a small bite just to see what you are, and that can kill you. But if it's going to attack someone or something deliberately, 
it's going to come up with a lot of speed and often with seals or turtles, it'll hit from underneath and come down with a lot of impact with its top jaw. And actually, like with the impact, there's a lot of damage done with the sharp teeth as well. So I think it was deliberate because I was so I was paddling for the wave while it happened and it bumped me from the left side. And you can see on my surfboard, there's this big like dent from the nose or the snout of the shark. And then it flipped me around and then the top jaw just slammed right into the bottom part of the board. And you can see all of the teeth marks. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely deliberate and uh, it wasn't trying to, taste me it was trying to kill and eat me <laughs> now you've had you were 15 at the time so you've had 21 years to reflect on on the moment the shark did that he's bumped your board you've gone off the board and into the water and then it came you you, you you've already described not being aware of what was happening at the time but did it it came at you because I, in in the video i i've seen when you're out of the water you know you're holding your arm but just talk me through the moment that it, it kind of it, the teeth of the shark went in because why didn't it when they bite why didn't it rip your hand off was it just a surface snap at your hand I mean because you're old enough now and it's been a long time I'm hoping it's not that traumatic to to remember but what do you remember now uh, at the point of attack because in that video it also describes the second shark coming towards you opening its mouth and, and, and move maneuvering towards your, your head. Well, I can testimony that your head is still on your shoulder. So the <laughs> shark wasn't successful, Shannon. But just talk me through the moment that, that you felt the teeth of that shark penetrate your, your arm and then the threat of this other one trying to take a piece of your, your head. You know, fortunately, the shark, when it flipped me and the board around and slammed its teeth into the board, it bit over the fin or the skeg of the surfboard, which uh, I think is one of the things that saved me because the fin obviously hit its palate and it couldn't close its mouth. So I only have a bite mark on the one side of my board and not the other. So it couldn't close its mouth. And my hand was obviously there somewhere and uh, caught in its mouth, maybe between the board and its teeth. And uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that if it bit somewhere else on the board, maybe not over the fin, it would have been a completely different story. Maybe I would have lost my hand or my fingers or my arm. Uh, maybe the shark would have come back again because I'm sure that that fin hurt its palate big time. Uh, and maybe that's why afterwards it just stopped and stared at me for a few moments because it was hurt or confused or both. I never saw the second shark coming for me. I never knew there were two sharks at that time. Fortunately, I think they would have killed me a, a heart attack. <laughs> uh, but I remember when I did get back into my board and I realized that I was attacked, it was the most intense and the scariest moment ever because I knew that I was about to die. I was 15 years old and obviously I had a lot of hopes and dreams for the future and here I am living in my worst nightmare and no one stayed in the water to help me out. Everyone caught the last wave, headed to shore, left me alone. And I remember being about 100 meters offshore and the ocean just going dead flat, no waves to catch. And my heart was beating like right out of my chest and I was crying and freaking out and panicking. And, and I just remember looking over my left shoulder and my right shoulder, just expecting the shark or the sharks to come back to me. 
and I never knew what to do. Um, I'd never been in the situation. So I was like, do I fight the sharks? Do I jump off? Do I, <laughs> do I try to punch it with my, my injured hand? I, I had no idea what to do. So I'm busy paddling one stroke at a time and I could feel my fingers falling off and all the blood like rushing out and the water flowing through my bones and my tendons and in my wounds. It was quite a ugly feeling. And I tried to paddle with one hand, so I kept my injured arm in the sky, and that wasn't helping. I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll lose my fingers if I have to. I need to save my life. And, yeah, I kept on looking around, just expecting the shark to, like, bite my feet or my legs or something. And then I started praying. I was like, okay, God, like, maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to pray. Can you please help me out and uh, keep me safe from these sharks and and I think that might have helped because all of a sudden a wave came out of nowhere. The ocean was flat and all of a sudden this wave came and um, that was my answer. And I caught this wave, managed to catch it all the way through the reef. And then I ended up in this like deep water channel where the wave stopped breaking. And then I was like, oh, there we go. It's starting all over again. So I've got to paddle through this uh, deep water channel for another, say, 20 meters. And I thought maybe the sharks would come back to me there. but I managed to get another small wave and I managed to eventually like ride the wave on my belly through onto the rocks. And as soon as my feet hit solid ground, I was so happy, so relieved. Um, and then my next problem was my fingers. I thought I was going to lose my, my hand or my fingers and I was pretty pissed about that. <laughs> what a terrifying, terrifying experience for a 15-year-old. And and what a hero you are to to rescue yourself. As you say, you were abandoned. People were probably scared, but they, they weren't scared enough that they, they didn't capture it on film. That's incredible in itself. So people were capturing this moment for whatever reason um, instead of trying to rescue you. But then what, what do people do in that situation? Did I read something or, or hear something where the, the second shark, bumped you which knocked you out of the way of the first shark I mean why do you think now that you were able to escape with blood I'm always under the impression so educate me but I'm always under the impression that once blood hits the water it's like a rag to a bull and sharks you know smell that and they want more of it or is that not not true I think that's completely true and that's that's why I was so scared when I was paddling through that deep water channel and even just after the, the attack, uh, I was convinced the sharks would come back for me. And that's also why I try to keep my hand out the water, uh, but that wasn't going to help anyway. It's a complete miracle that they never came back. And, and I do think that one shark was injured because a bit over the fin of the surfboard. And the other one, I'm, I'm not too sure exactly what is going on. You know, I've been in some documentaries or some documentaries have been done on my attack and and almost every documentary has a slightly different point of view where uh, the narrator changes things. So, for example, the one on Animal Planet has done very well with the animation and stuff, but they say that I was surfing the wave, which I wasn't, I was paddling. And they also say that uh, the shark bumping off while I was on my feet and that it grabbed my hand and knocked my surfboard and that the other shark bumped me out of harm's way, which wasn't the case. Um, if you look carefully on the video, you'll see that the, I'm busy paddling, and the one shark that bumped me was the same shark that grabbed me and pulled me under the water, which means the other shark missed me. I don't know why it never came back for me. I'm, 
I'm very happy it's never, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not too sure where it was. I remember only seeing the one shark face to face underwater. Maybe the other one was behind me. And uh, yeah, so that's a very interesting story. Well, it's a very powerful story that you were able to, to, to find the strength through your fear to get yourself back to the shore. Now, what I've seen in, in the video, and people have to go and see this video wherever they get it. You know, I, I just put your name in the Google search and up came this video with a couple of articles about you. You're on the beach now. You've escaped the sharks. Um, you've saved yourself. And, you, you know, lots of people are around you. Just just take me through that moment because it, it's obvious from what you can see that you've sustained some very severe injuries. Your arm is being held and you're being sort of whisked away, if you like, by these people. And at some point they must have done something that really inflicted pain because there was this scream. Now, I don't know if that was you or whether it was somebody witnessing the damage that they'd done. Just talk me through what happened when you got yourself back to the beach and you and you felt that sand under your feet, as you say, Shannon. I remember as I hit the rocks and managed to stand up on my feet, uh, there were a whole bunch of surfers like running towards me. My brother wasn't there. He was actually on the phone, uh, phoning the ambulance who never rocked up. But there was one guy who tied a leash or a leg rope around my arm just above my bicep to help stop the bleeding. And another person wrapped a towel around my hand. And then one guy is like, oh, hold your hand above your head you know, to stop the bleeding. And he kept shouting that in my ear. And a whole bunch of guys running to me, asking me, are you okay? And are you in pain? And obviously, it was just a hand injury. But at that time, it was super scary. But if, um, if I think about it now, it was not life-threatening at all. I could have done without the towel, done without the leash. Um, but obviously that did a super good job when I, when I got to the beach. I remember when I was like walking over the rocks, I just left my surfboard behind me and the small wave came and knocked it like right into my back. Bam! And also into like my, my, my neck. And you can see it on the video actually. It's quite funny. And even that hurt, you know, but I remember like <laughs> uh, someone grabbing a board and I was walking over the rocks and I was just shaking my head because of the whole situation and and then obviously I was super happy and content that I had escaped the sharks but I was quite devastated and pissed that I was going to lose my fingers or my hand I was convinced I would lose my hand you know and then I remember there were like parts or moments of the walk from the rocks to the car where I felt the towel like scraped into my bones and my tendons and it was like a very painful and ugly feeling um, yeah, and then my brother rushed me to hospital in, in his car. Uh, he never had a driver's license, but he did it anyway. He just put his, his hazard lights on, flashed his lights, blew his hooter like through the traffic, went through the red lights, got to the hospital. We ran through the hospital and, and him and my, and his friend were shouting, we need help. We need help. My brother's been attacked. My brother's been attacked. And, uh, obviously I wasn't dying, but it was uh, quite dramatic. <laughs> What injuries did you sustain? I mean, in terms of when you got to the hospital, what was the, you know, the medics assessment of, of the damage and what did they need to do to repair the damage? I ended up getting my two fingers back, uh, sewed back on. So my pinky finger and my ring finger were both hanging off and there was a hole in my hand just below that. And then my wrist bone was 
broken from the one shark's tooth uh, and I ended up getting 30 stitches and I had the best hand surgeon in the country at the time so he did a super good job and yeah the first thing I asked the nurse was if I would lose my hand and my fingers and she was convinced I wouldn't so as soon as she said I'd be okay I was very relieved and that's when I started relaxing uh, and then yeah I had a cast on my hand for six weeks and then I went to some physio treatment afterwards to strengthen my fingers. But besides that, my hand is working perfectly now and no pain, no limitation. So that's good. That's, that's really good to, to, to know. Obviously, you, you have the scars of that, that experience, which is a reminder every day of, of what you encountered as a 15-year-old. Now, I've come face to face with the sort of murdering kind on, on more than one occasion and, and still do in the line of work. I do as a, a journalist, Shannon. But like you, I, I, I've not let it get in the way of my work. And neither of you have you, because if that was me, and I suspect if it was many other people, including experienced, frill-looking surfers, they wouldn't dare go back into the water. You know, I'd be terrified to go in my bathroom and turn on the tap, let alone get back in the sea. But it hasn't stopped you, has it, Shannon? Because... You still surf, as you said at the beginning of this interview. But when did you? When did you go back into the water? When did you feel brave enough to go back into the, the water? And was it against your parents and your brother and friends' advice? Yeah, the, the first time I got back into the water was around six weeks after the attack. And my mom was kind of against me surfing again. She was saying that there was, there was a sign from heaven that I should stop surfing and I disagreed with her. My dad said I could do anything I wanted to, and he would support me. And my friends supported me. My brother supported me. And I remember being quite scared and nervous the first day I surfed. Uh, I surfed about 50 or 60 kilometers away from where I was attacked. And uh, I was kind of forced to surf in a way because Ripley's, believe it or not, an American TV show was there to film and record my first surf back in the water and they were filming me and interviewing me so I was like I was kind of nervous and scared and felt uncomfortable to jump back in the water but I did it jumped into the water for 30 minutes and headed out and I was kind of happy with that and it was strange because I thought I'd be a lot more scared but I wasn't I just felt uncomfortable and I remembered after that when I did continue surfing more often I had less fear. I had way less fear after my attack than before my attack. And I think it's because I had like just such an incredible experience and just coming out of my shark attack, being more thankful and grateful for life and, and understanding that I was given a second chance and I could use that to make a difference. And, and that's also how I started surf coaching. I knew that I was given a second chance and that I needed to use that just to help other people as well. Because I'm sure you know about South Africa. There are a lot of people who are needed there and um, you can use surfing as a tool to make a big difference and to give people um, an opportunity to overcome something in the ocean, which they can use to relate into their own personal life. So surfing has given me so much and in return it's given other people things as well and it's been an, an amazing walk actually. And and how do you do that then? How have you used your second chance to help people? I mean, what do you practically do? Um, is it training people to to surf so people maybe from disadvantaged backgrounds, etc.? 
how do you implement what you do using your second chance? Yeah, I don't do too much now because I'm in Norway and there are not too many uh, unfortunate people here or less privileged people. But uh, in South Africa, I ran my own surf school and I started giving. There was actually through, I joined like a, a Christian Bible school or a Christian surfer school. And through that, I started like a small surf school giving free surf lessons to kids and parents and um, to some underprivileged people as well. And I would run small group meetings during the week just to get people to hang out and talk about life and surfing and watch surf videos and eat some cake and biscuits and drink tea and coffee and hot chocolate. And we would just hang out and build relationship and friendships. And that actually grew so much that I ended up being quite busy as a surf coach. And that's how I started my surf coaching business down there. And a lot of the kids that I coached um, would come on a regular basis over, say, a 10-year period. And a lot of them from fortunate backgrounds and some of them from uh, very poor backgrounds. And I was able just to walk roads with them and encourage them through surfing and uh, encourage them in life. And I helped, we helped a bunch of us help people financially and physically and with education and a whole bunch of different things. And now if I look back at it, some of those kids got really good at surfing and uh, one of them is on the World Surf League Tour now, which consists of the top 34 surfers in the world. And another one of my students won a world title as a longboarder three years ago. And a bunch of my other students uh, surf for South Africa, representing their country around the world in international contests. And I had people from Germany, the Netherlands and other countries too. So if I look back now at uh, how I was able to use surfing and surf coaching as a tool to reach out and to make a difference in people's lives. It's been quite amazing. Um, so I've been trying to do similar stuff here in Norway, but it's very different, but it's still very fun at the same time. Incredible story. Uh, and credit to you for sort of using that experience to help others. Do you, do you think that one of the reasons that you would go back in the water is because you've been through that experience, it's unlikely to have happened to you again, so you might have felt safer. But that's not true, is it? Because, well, it is to some extent because you wasn't attacked again. But am I right in thinking that when I looked at the second video, there is a, a an occasion, and you mentioned it earlier, that you you encountered an orca or a killer whale, which is what they're known to us mere mortals. And was it you in that video that is swimming away? That is you? So this orca or this killer whale is, is, is visible for, for people to see. And there seems to be this moment of hesitation and then realisation and then this speed swimming away. That was you, Shannon? Yeah. Yes, it was me. I think there's something with me and marine creatures because I've also had other shark encounters too, I can tell you about. But with this orca or killer whale incident, it was strange because just before that, like a year before that, I had this amazing dream that I was getting chased by two killer whales. <laughs> it was so weird. And then this happened. And it was during a surf competition and I had just caught a wave. So I was on my way paddling back out to catch another one. And as I was paddling out, I remember seeing this big, dark black thing in the corner of my left eye coming straight at me with so much speed. And I thought it was a shark, but I knew it wasn't because I'm in Norway above the Arctic Circle and there are no sharks yet. But while I was thinking these things, I remember like seeing this thing swim right underneath the nose of my board and then it slowed down and 
turned around and looked at me and swam past. And I got such a fright, um, <laughs> such a fright. But at the same time, it was one of the most amazing experiences ever. And while this first killer whale swam underneath me and passed, the next one came towards me a bit slower, but straight towards me. And the one that had just gone underneath me almost stopped and waited for the other one. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe they were going to attack me or I don't know. They ended up both slowing down and swimming past me. And it was the most amazing experience ever. I don't think they will attack a human or a person or a surfer in the ocean. They're way too intelligent. And I think in many ways, they're quite similar to dolphins in that they're also social. So in South Africa, we've had so many encounters with pods of dolphins where they'll swim underneath you and around you or surf away with you. And you can often swim down with them as well and see them and see their babies. You know, it's so cute. <laughs> and so I think uh, I think orcas are kind of similar. But uh, the marine biologist later on that day said that they were on attack mode until they saw me and realized that I wasn't real food. So it was a very good experience, but I got a fright and I never knew whether I should just stay in the water or get out. So I caught the next wave, went to the beach for two minutes. This was during my heat. I had like maybe 10 minutes left of the heat, but I took a two minute break just to think about what just happened. And then I, I jumped back in the water and continued surfing my heat. Wow. Do you still surf as much today as you have done in the past? Uh, yes, I do. I, I surf quite a lot, I guess. I live close to the beach. I'm teaching and coaching just about every day and get enough time to surf myself. What do you think is the moral of your story and your encounters, Shannon? I mean, what do you, I mean, I know you talked about coaching and training and teaching other people to surf and you use your experience probably to guide people as fears as well, because you're one person that, that surely can. But is there a moral to your story? And I don't know what I mean by that, but I mean, what have you taken away from it? You said, you know, Obviously, it's giving you a second chance in life to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done because you've seen things differently and you're grateful for the fact that you survived that attack. It could have been completely different um, and, and the ending, the result might have been very different. What do you see as the moral of your story? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and a deep one to answer. But, you know, I, I come from quite a poor background and a difficult, a difficult background where I know what it's like to struggle and what it's like to have very little and what it's like to struggle with, uh, say, mental issues and emotional in issues, financial issues, family and relational issues. So like I said earlier, it, it's been good to have a second chance. I think I've been given three or four or five chances. And what I take from that is to be thankful and grateful for what I have. It's so easy to compare yourself or ourselves to what we don't have. We, we compare ourselves to other people, our neighbors, our friends, our, our family members, and say, they have this, I don't have it. They have that, I don't have it. And instead of doing that, just to uh, look within and look around what we do have and be thankful for just the small things, you know. So I'm often reminded about those things when I have these encounters. I've had a, I've had a lot of crazy encounters, not just with sharks or killer whales, also with a seal, I've also almost drowned from surfing once or twice, like surfing big waves. And every time I'm just reminded of, of how good life is and how I can 
enjoy life to the max and and just live a good adventurous life. I don't want to be arrogant or ignorant and misuse my nine lives and do something stupid, but I do want to enjoy life and, and make the most of it. But um, just to be thankful and grateful for, for what I have is quite important. And when, when you do have a near-death experience, you, re- you realize that everything could be taken away right there and then. And if everything is gone, then you have nothing anyway. So it's important to look back at what you do have and realize that we do have something to live for. We can be thankful and grateful. We can appreciate the small things and the big things. And uh, it's good. Well, I mean, from the encounters that you've experienced, I would hesitate to say that your nine lives are up. You know, so you need to be careful moving forward. And just to end this, and and, and I love what you just talked about, you know, that you come from a background that makes you appreciate what you have today. and, And especially, and it's not just the experience that you've been through, but also the things you've witnessed and experienced yourself. That That's very powerful, especially in in this time where where people under lockdown because of the pandemic around the world feel that they're having a lot taken away from them but actually if they're just grateful for what what they do have whatever that is it it can sometimes be enough final question from me Shannon what what does the future hold for you I mean what's your ambition moving forward are you quite content living in Norway, training people, teaching people to surf? Or do you have bigger ambitions as you see out the next few years? Yeah, I suppose we all always have more and bigger ambitions. But, uh, I, you know, I, I really do enjoy what I do. It's, it's um, not stressful. I work with amazing people. I uh, do what I love. I love what I do. But obviously, I'd like to continue doing more of it on a higher level and and be able to train and coach more advanced and competitive surfers, which is what I was doing in South Africa. But not too much now because it's a new sport in Norway. And, you know, this year I'm also trying to get uh, some like a Norwegian citizenship because it will make life easier for me as a South African. That's been one of my long-term ambitions. Over and above that, um, I also do have a biography coming out soon, hopefully this year which will open some doors for me to go around and share my story or my stories and maybe travel some more too. So I don't know. Um, I'll just continue doing what I'm doing and enjoy it because at the moment it's, it's quite good and I'm very blessed and thankful for what I have. Well, I can look forward to reading the, the details of your book, but I feel privileged that I already now know at least a piece of your story. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your encounters with us. I mean, it's jaw-dropping stuff, no pun intended, but it it really is. I can't imagine what it's like, and it's a unique experience. And as you said at the beginning, you know, very few people go through that experience. Most survive because their their injuries, as, as traumatic as they are, they're superficial in the sense that at least you, you are still able to use your hand and have been able to continue your life even if your mind is scarred by that that experience and and you must have no doubt flashbacks but thank you so much for sharing your story with us Shannon good luck with the biography I'm sure lots of people will be interested in seeing that do you do you have a website where people can can watch these videos I I, I'm not encouraging people to watch your suffering but (laughs) you know depending on because you've explained it in such a a detailed way I know people are going to want to see for themselves what you're talking about um so is there a website that people can go to and see your stuff 
I don't, I don't have a, a website for all the videos and the biography and stuff. Uh, so it's just all on YouTube. But maybe I'll get one soon when the book comes out. <laughs> and I don't know what that's going to be called. But yeah, for now, I think uh, just you can check out the videos on YouTube if you type in Double Shark Attack or Shannon Ainsley. It's all over. Great. Well, look, thanks very much. Have a great day. And thanks for sharing your story. Cool, Raphael. Have a great day too. And thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to this episode and please share and follow us on social media. It would be great if you could rate and review on the site where you listen to this podcast. If you want to support or advertise on this podcast, please get in touch. If you think I should get someone on the show, drop me a direct message via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or any other means you have to make contact. Audio editing is by Audio Avalanche. The original music is by J-Row Productions. The cover design work is by Studio Minerva. Our guest booker is Tegan Parsons. And me, your host, Raphael Rowe. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.